21CL Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the program. You're listening to the Education Vanguard, and I'm your host, Michael Bowl. With the upcoming 21st Century Learning Conference just next week in Hong Kong, I have a chance to talk to Stephanie Gaspari all about libraries. She will be one of the featured presenters. The library. Ah, yes, the library. For people of my generation, that would be Generation X, the library still brings back scary memories of a place where I might get into trouble if I spoke too loudly. Stephanie Gaspari helps us understand that libraries are no longer that type of place and that it is time to return to their original concept and design, a community space for sharing ideas and learning. For Stephanie, that looks like a multi-use space designed to engage a variety of learners, from the rugby team to the quiet student looking for a little refuge and time with a good book, a place set up to prototype new ideas and learn. Where was Stephanie when I was in high school? Enjoy the conversation. Stephanie Gaspari, thanks so much for joining me on the program today. Thank you so much for having me. Well, we're here to talk all about libraries, and I don't think I've had a uh, that, had that conversation or that topic on the show before, so that'll be nice for everybody. And Thanks. we can start with how do we define, and maybe this should define, but how do we define a library today, do you think? Mm, um, it's quite interesting. I, I often use a line um, in presentations or bios that says that I don't believe in the dictionary definition of libraries. Um, and I guess that's because if you search the dictionary uh, for library, you do get the definition that it's a repository of books. And I think that we're way past that. Um, I think that a library today is really a community space. Um, and that signals back to the the birth of libraries and I guess their intention for when they were first created about bringing people and mm-hmm. ideas together. Um, so I think a library today, first and foremost, is a community space, um, but it's somewhere for knowledge to be created and for people to grow, um, I guess, you know, uh, in terms of their lifelong learning, but also in terms of their community as well. So that would be my take on what a library today. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that community space. So like I yeah. think about and it's probably an outdated look that when I was growing up, you would come together, but you weren't allowed to make any noise. You couldn't mm. talk. It was just a community space mm. to read quietly and maybe try not to get in trouble. Yeah. Um, a lot of people have that memory. And um, there's been a little bit of research done um, by the City of Sydney Libraries here in Australia, um, where they actually surveyed a heap of people to get an understanding of, you know, what a library is and what it should be. And most people resort back to their very first experience of a library. Um, so it's quite interesting to know that being in a school environment, that we're shaping what people believe a library should be. Um, and libraries these days certainly aren't quiet spaces. So. Um, in our primary and our secondary libraries, uh, there there is a lot of a lot, a lot of things happening and a lot of noise happening. There sure there are quiet spaces you can go if that's what you require, um, but the whole library certainly isn't a quiet space. It's a place where people can come together and they've got options um, for what they might want to do in that space. Ah, okay, so so you th- you say it's changed. You think it's changed pretty much in most places at this point that my memory is not going to be the memory that a child who's using the library now will have in 20 years. 
Well, I certainly hope not. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I know that there's a shifting landscape um, in school library spaces and certainly at the tertiary level. Um, and you see it in public libraries as well. A lot of the time they're trying to meet the needs of lots of people within their community. And I think that as people's needs change, the spaces change. So there are, like I said, there's quiet spaces in libraries, but there's a lot of spaces that are there for families to come together. There's spaces for people to engage with technology. There's spaces um, for people to, um, you know, come together as groups. Uh, yeah, so I think that depending as, as people's needs have been changing, the libraries have been adapting to meet those needs because they are, mm -hmm. are so central to their communities. I see. So, you know, is it, you know a lot about the history of libraries, and, and when I think back about their change, it seems to me, and, and let me know if you think this is right, mm -hmm. that technology is actually probably what pushed the library to change, because suddenly they have this different group of people coming in to do something mm -hmm. different other than just reading books. Do you think that had a big impact on it? Yeah, definitely. So um, when I first took this role, I did a lot of research of, on the history of libraries just to get an understanding um, of, you know, where we've come from. And we've essentially gone full circle. Um, so libraries were first places where people just came together to debate ideas and to share stories. Ah. Um, yeah, so it's really interesting. And when you say technology, you know, we often think technology, computers and, you know, everything um, quite techy. But, uh, you know, what actually happened once we first started to record our stories um, and we, I guess we had the technology of books, um, was when you started to see that enter into the space of libraries. But the books were always around the edge of a library. So um, there's some fantastic photographs and images and sketches that our school archivist helped me to, to pull together to get an understanding of what libraries looked and felt like back in the day. Um, and most of the time there is this, you know, this table and chairs or seating space in the centre and all the books around the edge of the room. Um, mm -hmm. And then as, you know, libraries started to become a repository for books or as technology developed and we started to record more things, they became places where we'd have stacks and stacks of books. Um, but I think that as we have more technology and if we think more about the digital age and we don't necessarily need that access to a print book, we start to see that the libraries are resorting back to what they were, um, I guess, first created for, that space for people to come together and share ideas and to be a community space. And we've put those elements of design into our library here at Trinity and you see that in a lot of other libraries where they're shifting the physical out to the edges and creating those central spaces um, or community spaces. Yeah. So, I mean, could you almost have a presentation that says, today's library, bringing it back to what it was originally? Yeah, <laughs> you could, because to this, be I didn't know this. This is very interesting. <laughs> yeah, um, and look, I've talked to that before in terms of learning spaces. Um, I think, you know, there's, there's loads to be said for um, the physical aspects of buildings, you know, everything to do with your light and your ventilation and, and you know, your access, like biophilic design and your access to what... Um, you know, other resources in a space. But I think that looking back in time, it kind of gives you that history and gives you some inspiration for what is the intent? Like, what was our core purpose? Um, I remember being asked a question, you know, like, what is the mission of libraries? And I was asked to a group of, of library leaders and everybody had a completely different answer, which is interesting in itself. But at the core was that idea that you're serving, um, you know, you're serving some a user or a community of people. Um, so the, that community aspect comes back to it. Mm, I see. Yeah. Well, it's a, I'm glad you brought up uh, Trinity, your school, your library. Uh, let's, if you could expand a little bit about it, what it looks like today and my question, next question would be, does it look like the way you want it to look? Are you still in process or did you get there? 
Yeah. Um, so my role here when I was first hired was um, to reconceptualize library services. So it was quite the challenge. We had a very traditional space, really high bookshelves, um, quite a dark uh, library space. Uh, I guess probably what your memory of a library is from when you uh, what you were mentioning before. Um, mm-hmm. So it, now what it looks like, we're, we're very happy. We did we wanted to create a space that was full of natural light, that had a lot of um, opportunities for people to connect, not only with each other but also with uh, learning technologies that we would use in those spaces. We're f- first and foremost a fully functioning library, um, but we're also uh, a learning space. We also host events ranging from, you know, 20 people to 250 people, um, and we're, we try – We've tried to become the central hub of the school, and I think we've achieved that. I think that the the change process never ends. Um, so we've been in the space, the, or the retrofitted space, um, in the senior school for almost four years now, and we've had iterations of furniture, um, of you know various walls of technology, um, because as something else kind of hits the market, or as we learn what works for our students and our staff, we start to make other changes. So I think that. We're, we're, we're probably 85% there, but I don't think we'll ever really get there um, because the needs of our students and staff are always changing. So we've got to keep changing to meet those. You know, when it comes to technology, as a technology yeah. coach, <clears throat> I used to think in the beginning, my gosh, we've got to use this more and more and more. We can't <laughs> use it enough. And then yeah. as we've used it more and more and more, I'm realizing we're probably using it too much and it actually makes you less community oriented in a lot of ways. So my question might be, uh, should a library be a place where you can't use technology? Yeah, look, that has been debated at length. <laughs> um, I think that, you know, mm-hmm. I always uh, hold to the view that if the technology enables you to do something better that you couldn't do without that, then definitely go for it. But if it's simply a substitute, um, you know, if if typing on your laptop is, you know, just instead of writing in your book, um, does it actually add any value? And for us, um, our mission in the, in the library services team is to add value to the student experience. So, you know, we've got some technology that we believe does that. Um, I would hesitate to, to make a blanket call across the board. I think there's a time and place for technology. And then I think mm-hmm. there's also um, a very valuable time and place for the boys to come in and use a space and just sit and read a book. So, yeah. Um, yeah. It, that's that's interesting in that aspect of it when you talk about just to come in and read a book. So, for mm-hmm. example, uh, I'll go through the library at lunchtime, and it'll often be the people hanging out there that are more introverted and just maybe don't enjoy the social spaces outside. They come in as a point of refuge. But almost mm-hmm. do you want it the opposite where you want it to be this community place where everybody's talking and sharing ideas, or mm-hmm. is it just going to be yeah. multi-use instead? Um, I'll probably go the multi-use angle, and we've worked really hard to to shift away from that. Um, you know that the library is just like a, a safe, like it is a safe space, but you know that it's only limited to that um, cohort of students who want to be, say, away from mm-hmm. you know running around in the playground. Um, so we we have a lot of events and activities that happen in the library um, to draw the kids in, um, and that's staff and students. And we've done a, a lot of uh, online engagement programs, like profiling all of our, you know. Uh, the boys who play in our first rugby team, profiling them, you know, with a book that they're reading now and their first children's mm. books that they ever read and um, getting our prefix to run like, story times at lunchtime. So having them read to younger junior school boys, um, you know, we'll do uh, – 
story time with silent disco headsets. We'll run um, pop-up libraries. So activities that, you know, are still promoting reading culture and are still, you know, giving boys access to books because we know the benefits of reading um, across the board, mm. not only academic but, you know, to our mental health and whatnot. Um, but then, you know, you can always always just come in and just use the library to print something, you know, print an assignment for you know, your class next period or to sit quietly. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, we have board games. We have lots of different things that are happening in the space to meet different needs. And I think the idea would be that you wouldn't be coming here necessarily every day, but that it's an option in amongst all your other options that you have when you're Mm -hmm. here at school. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard anybody use library and rugby team together before. I know. (laughs) How brilliant is it? (laughs) Yeah, I guess that in itself could just show a win, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you don't, don't think of those characters is. being the same. <laughs> and I mean, if you look at the stats, you know, when we look at some of our boys who are our academic scholars and, you know, who get the, the best results in the diploma program or in the HSC, you know, we look back and often they are those boys who are all-rounders, who have the highest borrowing records, you know, from the library, who also play on the first rugby team, who um, are also, you know, doing uh, well at music. So it's it's great to be able to showcase the, you know, the multifaceted sides to a student, like, you know, as opposed to pigeonholing them to one one thing or another. Right. And we know that okay, – you, sorry, you go. <laughs> no, no, well, I was going to ask you about – or you brought it up, stats, and so that made me think about yeah. metrics. So in the old days, uh, I don't know how long ago that was, the metrics or stat, statistics you would use is how many books are checked out, and that yeah. would mean you had a successful library and maybe you checked out 10% more in one year or something. Yeah. Can you use those metrics today? Like how do you know – how do you gauge that you're being successful? Yeah, look, that's a fantastic question, um, and I, I think that's probably an area of in improvement. Um, I guess we we rely on the moment on a lot of anecdotal evidence. We collect a lot of data, so we do everything from interviews to observations um, to surveys just to try and get a feel for whether or not we're meeting people's needs. I think borrowing stats offer you know a part of the picture. Um, they're flawed as well because if you sit and observe any like recess or lunchtime, you'll see that, yes, people borrow, but a lot of people will just, you know, especially young boys, I'll pull a manga off, the, you know, a graphic novel or a manga book off the shelf and sit and read it at lunchtime and then put it back. So I know that they're engaging in that reading, but they didn't technically borrow that book. So um, we have people counters on our gates. So we, we get, you know, numbers, stats of how many students come in and out of the library every single lesson, recess and lunch. That's really handy um, because I guess it gives us an indication of traffic flow. Uh, We measure how many lessons we co-teach with other teachers on um, so that we can get an understanding of who's engaged with our services when it comes to research or information literacy. Um, And yeah, we we do all of the surveys and um, measuring like the engagement levels that we have with our Instagram channel, with our Twitter, uh, with our blog posts. Yeah. So I, I don't know how much of that is you know, fantastic research or, but it, it kind of goes in the direction of evidence-based practice. Um, and generally we only do things if, if we have some kind of evidence behind the fact that it's going to contribute to uh, positive learning outcomes or to reading culture, um, you know, that it actually relates to something that is pedagogically sound. Um, it's not just because we want to do mm-hmm. it for fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> does that answer your question? It's a hard one. It's a hard sp- No, space. it does. And you do. You have such a variety of, of metrics, so it's interesting, and that helps you gauge and also helps you figure out which metrics are better than others. I mean, just the number yeah, of people and- coming in the door would be a significant yeah. metric. 
yeah, and that and that um, we never had that data before. So um, that in itself, you know, is really useful. Just you know, to understand what you know, how many staff we need on, and what kind of services we're providing. We took that to a new level last year when we did a user experience project. And um, I don't know if you've been to IKEA when you walk out. You know, there's the mm-hmm. happy faces, and you. You, know, you press you know, how you felt with your experience there. Um, mm-hmm. So we had one of those in the library to say, you know, why did you come to the library? What space did you use? And how satisfied were you? And that was a really interesting process to get some feedback from the staff and students to say, well, you know, this many students are coming for this activity. This many are coming for that. Um, and then I'll, do we need to adjust our services in, in any way? Um, yeah, we have a group of kids called Library Champions, um, and mm-hmm. they kind of you know kind of are on the ground giving us that feedback. They help us choose books for the collection. Um, you know, we want to update our furniture. They'll run surveys to get feedback from the boys on you know what color choice we should go with, which chair is the most comfortable. Um, so it's great having that student voice and input into what we're doing. So uh, I, you know, I don't, I, you mentioned the IKEA thing, and I, I got to yeah. say that it might be a, a bit unfair because when I come out of IKEA, the first thing I see is the hot dogs and French fries, yeah. and so I'm already happy. So if somebody's going to put a variety of faces in front of me, I'm going to hit smiley automatically. Yeah. Well, there's no food and drink allowed in our library, so okay, so that's legitimate then. Okay, so you're going to give a presentation in Hong Kong about all these fabulous things that you're doing. And I imagine myself as a librarian, perhaps sitting towards the back, and I'm thinking, well, that's cool. Stephanie gets to do all these things because her school said, go for it and do it. Well, my school is a little more conservative. So I might raise my hand and say, explain that to you. And then I'd say, Stephanie, where should I start? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. And I, I do realize the blessing of having the support of leadership. You know, my directive was to come in and change things. So I think that that's a, you know, that's certainly one approach. Um, I think that you should just start simple as that. Um, I would honestly say that, you know, you can do a lot of things, uh, without necessarily having, um, money. Uh, you can definitely, um, prototype different spaces. You can get, your students, engaging with your students and getting that student voice through. Uh, One of the first things we did um, when I first came on board was put liquid chalk markers all around the library because we've got a lot of uh, window space. And we just said to the boys, what do you want from your library service? And got them to write up on the windows what they wanted. Mm -hmm. And we captured that data every day. Yeah. So did, did, um, did they say hot dogs and French fries? Yeah, <laughs> sometimes they did say food. It is boys, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they did come up with some fantastic suggestions. And, you know, like you, ultimately we work in school spaces for our students. So something as simple as that, you could take that then um, to your leadership and say, look, this is what the students want for us to meet their needs. We might need to move in this direction. Um yeah, so I think that there's lots of simple things and there's some fantastic resources out there um, to give you ideas and inspiration on how you can start small and then work your way towards bigger changes. But I think that starting the conversation um, with your users, so with your staff and with your students, is probably um, the best way to kind of, I guess, get the momentum going. I'm glad you brought up prototype. So, you know, that's trying new ideas to see if it's going to work with the expectation that it could very well fail. And so if I'm a classroom social studies or math teacher, I can't really get away with that so easily, uh, even though I probably should be able to. Do you think libraries should be a place that are always prototyping because it's a safe place, in a sense, on the fringe where you can make mistakes and great gains both at the same time? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we see ourselves as a platform for innovation. So we try and, you know, maintain really good collaborative relationships with our e-learning team um, and various heads of departments to say, if you want to try something new, do it here. Let's give it a go. If it doesn't work, it's okay. We'll 
find a way to learn from that experience. Um, so last year, I sat on a panel talking about virtual reality and we had an opportunity to bring some virtual reality gear into the school and that was in collaboration with our e-learning department. We ran that out of the library. Um, and look, for some subjects it worked and for some it really didn't, but it was just our opportunity to say, do we need to go in this direction? Should we be exploring this? Um, we don't have the answer uh, to that yet, but at least mm -hmm. we've started on the journey and we can um, see if it's important to us. Uh, and actually our spaces, once they were renovated, um, prompted change in a lot of classroom spaces. So we had such a demand for people coming to use our learning spaces because they uh -huh. have the latest technology that now classrooms have been updated with the same technology that our library has. So um, I think that the libraries are those spaces where you can prototype and see if it'll work. And if it doesn't, it's okay. There's how else are you going to learn? It's about the process, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, that's a, a new part of culture of learning, or at least of education, that I'm hoping or starting to see evolve. Uh, Stephanie, we're coming towards the end of our time here. And um, my favorite thing to do, as listeners will know, is to ask a future-oriented question. Mm. Uh, what do you hope or think the library should look like in the next 10 or 15 years? Oh, goodness. Um, that's a really challenging question. I wish you had prepped me for that beforehand. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, look, I think that uh, there's a fantastic author, um, R. David Lankies. He uh, is a librarianship professor and he has mm -hmm. a concept or a notion of expecting more. And I think that, I mean, I have no idea how to predict the future, so I don't know what it's going to look or feel like, but I think that... Well, you, can, you can make things up, so yeah. don't worry. <laughs> I think living out that, um, I guess, that provocation uh, to expect more is probably what I would go with. Like, I think that we're moving towards what libraries will, you know, that idea of libraries becoming more community spaces again. Um, but I think that we should always be striving to do better and to, you know, as things change, meet other people's needs. Um, but I think that what I really hope for is that people's perceptions of libraries change and they see um, the opportunity uh, for good that can come out of that space, um, not only in the school space, but tertiary and in the public space as well. Stephanie Gaswari, thanks so much for your time today and sharing all this great information about the future of libraries. Brilliant. Thank you so much. This interview was brought to you by 21st Century Learning International. Find us on the web at 21clradio.com.